Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about what they've got up to between making records, between going on tours, and the inevitable jobs that they've seen, kept, and probably lost. On this week's episode is Bleach Lab, one of my favorite new bands. I'm obsessed with their kind of shoegaze indie rock that could be so cozy. Like a perfect woolly jumper that you find at a charity shop. And it fits you just right and it costs £3.50. Their new EP, If You Only Feel It Once, is out this Friday. It's going to be a cracker. And I'm very glad to have them on 101 part-time jobs. We are supported by the wonderful folks at 2000 Trees Festival, one of our favourite festivals in the UK and across the world, held in Cheltenham, just a couple of hours away from London. Trees have just announced their Wednesday Forest Stage lineup with Bob Villain holding absence, St. Agnes, Presta Miko, Delaire the Liar, and Snakes. That's a totally rocking Wednesday at the Forest Stage, which you can only go to 
with a four-day ticket. So if you want to see Bob Villain, Holding Absence, and those other incredible bands on that Wednesday Forest Stage lineup, 2000treesfestival.co.uk. Go and get your four-day tickets earlier, cheaper, and even save 20 quid by using the voucher code 101POD. That's the voucher code 101POD at checkout, 2000treesfestival.co.uk for your four-day tickets, including that killer Wednesday lineup on the Forest stage. Get them before they're gone. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Here is Frank and Jenna of Bleach Lab. Go well. Cheers. music requires some serious dedication to kind of work around the jobs factor you know friends relationships kind of just kind of all of it and i guess you know i'm, I'm interested in those kinds of stories is this is a very timely conversation for us to be having giles i'll tell you that. um i literally had to sit down with uh, with my boss today at work to talk about how i can't actually keep the two things going any longer right <laughs> So it's a it's a balance that is I mean it's incredibly it's incredibly prevalent in in all four of our lives. We we all have very different jobs, so the nature of the balance is different for each of us. But yeah, I, it's been so heavily it's been so much of a struggle for me recently. And I, I think I think if anything, it's just a testament to things progressing nicely within the band that it's obviously getting a lot harder to fit everything in. Yeah, I mean, Frank, with your boss, was that that seems like quite an adult way to go about it. That that seems like your boss is is quite nice to to kind of have a have a chat about it. I mean, was it a nice chat? Yeah, no, it, I it was, and uh, I have to give uh, my boss all the credit in the world. He um uh he's always been very he's always been very um supportive of, of me doing music aided by the fact i mean i, I work my, my my job is in is in music as well and um and my boss was in a band um which went through you know the whole cycle of getting signed and all the hype and everything went and then eventually getting dropped and having to deal with you know just the, the whole of it and i think it's always meant that he's been very um empathetic to to to, to the balance and how hard it is and I, I, I like to think he's just generally a fan of the band. He came up to one of our gigs, actually, um, a couple of weeks ago, which was really fun. Um, so, yeah, no, it's good to have him. And to be honest, whenever it gets to the point that I can no longer actually maintain the job, I'm going to miss having him as a support for everything we do. Sounds like there, there are lots of worse bosses than that. Have you been quite open about the band from, from the start then? I guess it's so easy not to talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's been a funny one because the... So weirdly, the I think I started the job pretty much when we started the band. The, the two pretty much coincide. I think I think the two coincided within about a month of each other. But um, the first couple of years, probably more than a couple of years to be honest, of the band were were very much slow progress um, as we kind of figured everything out and shuffled members went through a string of drummers all the usual um and yeah i think working in music and just yeah i i was always quite i like to think i still am to be honest but i've always been quite humble about the band and everything because i don't know it's kind of one of those things where like you don't really want to shout about it until you personally feel like it's going really well <laughs> otherwise 
otherwise I, I, I think it's really easy to focus on the bad parts of it but i think yeah naturally over the last like year or two i've therefore been much more happy to shout about it loudly and with anyone who's willing to lend me a pair of ears i think there's that element of thinking about what the people at school think you know when you're younger you kind of don't want to talk about it necessarily in total fear of being shut down i mean i've always had because I'm surrounded by and have been surrounded by quite a lot of musicians and creative people like for the last half of my life, I've been in quite a comfortable position to sort of talk about things that I've been doing quite openly, which is really positive. A lot of my closest friends and stuff are in bands and going through sort of similar things. I feel I do feel like the sense of judgment in in a way, um, like the fear of judgment. Um, but at the same time, like, because I'm proud of what we're doing and how far we've sort of come as a band and everything, I, I sort of tend to put that to the back of my mind. It must be amazing to like have friends who are artists or making music or, or any kind of medium yeah. where you can kind of chat and kind of, you know, I, I, we're human. It's kind of a basic need is, is to relate with people Absolutely. around us. Yeah, it's been, really, it's been really helpful, like just having people around me that sort of understand what's going on and obviously having the guys as well because we're all going through the same things together. No, it's positive. I feel like a lot of bands I've known and, and been in, communication has just been so shite. Mm. We, I think for us, it's quite different. I think we're very, like, we have about four different group chats. Um, oh and we're very, we tend to be very on it with everything, like, as much as we can be. Obviously, you know, we're all working as well. Um, we all have other stuff going on in our lives, but we're very, and have been for quite a long time, on, on top of our communication um for better or worse I'm not sure because it can be quite <laughs> quite intense sometimes I'm not saying it doesn't come without its challenges like there's a lot of hurdles that we have to um sort of overcome as individuals like day to day with sort of putting plans into place for near future and distant future and everything but I think because of like maybe a lack of communication sort of towards the beginning of us starting out uh, as a band I think we're very on top of each other to be as responsive as possible. Um, Learning the hard way, would you say? Yeah, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. <laughs> Press and kind of working with the kind of an infrastructure, you know, where you're kind of relying on one another, you know, yeah. all of a sudden from one day to the next, you know, there is there are responsibilities there. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of us individually feel the sort of level of responsibility that we have to come back with responses and come back with sort of like conf confirming things and everything. Um, Bullshit interviews like this. <laughs> well, no, but like, you know, we sort of make sure that we're on top of things and, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, it's a positive thing about us, I think. We're, we're quite intense in a lot of ways, but we're, we are on top of things. <laughs> I think the thing is, is that like, it's always going to be, so much harder when it's a band rather than a solo artist uh, just because it takes so much more effort to get four yeses than it does to, take, to get one and yeah. like i think it's i think as you were saying like we've 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 gone through the period of of being disorganized and learning how much stress it causes both us and our manager uh that i'd like to think that we've slightly improved but the funny thing is as you mentioned labels and and press and everything is i don't think it actually gets any easier when you have all of these people involved it just means that you're fielding that many more questions left right and center that much more of a time and and don't get me wrong we're grateful for it because it's great to feel like you're busy but 
yeah, if anything, it's 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 really up the intensity, and I think it's therefore definitely up the need for us to be consistently more organised than we were before. I mean, it's it's work, right? Yeah. That's work. Yeah, yeah. I, it feels it feels kind of it, it doesn't feel great referring to it as that, um, but I mean, yeah, I guess it is, and I guess I guess it's rare that you ever hear about you ever hear about bands talking about that aspect of their career as artists being their favorite part. Like they're always going to talk about playing gigs. Um, some might talk about recording, some might not. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess it is, but it's, it is, it's part of the beast, right? Like it's got to be done. And yeah. if we weren't for doing stuff like this, no one would know we were actually doing anything. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely worthwhile. <laughs> one of my favorite people to read interviews with is Mike Skinner. Oh, yeah. Primarily because he just obviously thinks about it so much. Maybe it's coming from this kind of like punk rock background that, that I have. And I think probably lots of us do. There's that element of like not wanting to care too much or, or, or uh, be seen to be caring. Mm. And I think when I've read interviews with Mike Skinner, he's talked so much about what he wanted it to be. He wouldn't want to tell you how he's feeling. I'm feeling sad. He'd say, you know, he, he'd show you, you know, and he would talk about a guy sat on the curb with his head in his hands. And I, and I still always thought that was such a fucking cool way, you know, kind of serious way to, to think about your art. We, we think in great detail and scrutinize everything we do incredibly carefully. Um, I'm, I, I would argue we all do in the band to, to varying degrees, but I obsess in great detail about basically everything that we do, whether it be our musical output, what interviews we want to do, what we want to say in interviews, what we don't want to say, um, all these kind of things. Um, and I personally think it's the right approach for any artist. I think it's it's part and parcel of the art and, and how things are done. And I feel like it, it, it's a mistake to sort of leave that kind of worrying and thought processes to other people who work with you because that's just how you end up sowing division with the people that you work with every artist has a message whether they know it or not or, or how, however much they want to say it would you agree with that and and do you do you have a message does bleach lab have a message i think we're still working on it i think that's one of the reasons why for example we're not releasing an album yet i think mm. i think that's i think some some may think that you you can be a bit more deliberate and quick with that kind of thing but i like to think that you need to have understood that about yourself before you do something like that because it the two give each other meaning but i think we're still exploring a lot of a lot of stuff around that um that's why i, I and i think i think it shows in the music as well like i think like there's always been i feel anyway like a really clear thought process and intention behind everything that we've released and i think mm. I think I think it demonstrates that we're very we're we're obviously very concerned about the message, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we've figured out quite what it is yet. I mean, if I think about Ride, and that message has probably changed from 1991 mm. or 1990. To me, you, you know, you're a great putting labels on things, sure, but you know, you're a great shoegaze band. You know, when I listen to you, I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a shoegaze listening kind of mood. Yeah. I, 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 I always say that I want us to be a great shoegaze band, but it's one of those like we're not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel no, it's a, it's a tough one because it's such a it's such an era specific sound and genre, and 
the, the, the genre has, has undeniably had a huge resurgence over the course of the last decade. And it's, it's great to see because arguably the genre did not get its due attention at the time when it originated because of, because of Britpop and, and grunge and everything that it was competing with. But I think it's so difficult because this is, and this is definitely a, a, a very much a concern that we've had to go through with our recent sort of recording and, and writing is that when you, I feel like when you try and emulate or, 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 or recreate the, that genre in too great a detail or with too great a commitment, you are kind of stuck somewhat in the past and like mm. i think it's it's one of the challenges that we've definitely had was to was to try and find a way to, to do that without doing that you want to step into the unknown right and step yeah. into the future you know you want to step into what's in front of you not, yeah. not what's behind you yeah well it's kind of like a, a great cover band uh will be will be will be celebrated by by fans of, of the band that they're covering enormously but they're always going to be a cover band. And I think similarly, if you're an artist who concerns yourself with just trying to emulate a genre, which is so deeply rooted within a certain era in the past, are you, are you still an artist? Like arguably no. Do you share the lyric writing? Pretty much. I was going to go on to about the fact that we share everything. So like equally, but like in terms of lyrics, it's shared mostly between myself and Josh. And that has literally always been the case. Like going back to 2017, when we first started like meeting up as, a casual sort of thing um I I would say I take the majority but Josh has some you know really incredible ideas and he's really pretty good at writing a catchy chorus um but yeah it's quite quite nicely shared between the two of us I think have you kind of got any go-to places or or go-to you know mindsets to to kind of help you lean into lean into that I've written a couple of our favorite songs because I live in Brighton um a couple of my favorite songs lyrically that we've um released like never be for example i've written whilst like walking along the seafront um on a stormy day which i find very creatively charging <laughs> um but i mean yeah. i don't know i very much i as i said i sort of very much have to be in a certain headspace to be able to write about anything like i for example i've been wanting for a really long time to write a song about my close friends and like our friendship and our you know experiences and everything but because that f feeling is just not with me at the moment like to be able to write about it I've not been able to I don't know if that makes sense like I can't just, just write sort of aimlessly maybe you have to spend a, a, a weekend with them when, whenever I go away yeah. with friends for a week you know usually now it's for a weekend rather than a week like when we were younger but yeah. for those days afterwards I'll be in like an afterglow yeah. is that the kind of thing yeah absolutely yeah um, are, are your friends based in other other towns then mostly Brighton luckily um right. which is why I've been avoiding moving to London for so long you were saying Jenna that you you've been working from home today yeah has, has it has sort of working life been quite straightforward for you since no absolutely not so like when we first started sort of meeting as the as a band like back in 2017 I'm talking I was at uni still um so obviously from then until now my life in that sense has changed multiple times um and you know I've lived in Southampton since then I've lived in Buckinghamshire where I'm from I've lived in Brighton now for five years um so yeah there's been a lot of changes for me in work 
and in life as well. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Did Aylesbury have a, a scene, a music scene? No, don't be silly. No, we proudly, uh, or Bay, sorry, I'd say they. No, I'm not, I'm not from Aylesbury anymore. Um, they proudly have a David Bowie statue. I don't really know what the history of that is, but it kind of, it seems a bit strange. There's two Weatherspoons. The music scene in Buckinghamshire is is nothing to shout about at all. Um, <laughs> in any sense, I think you've got the Crawford Arms in Milton Keynes, which sometimes sees a bit of interest and that's about it. I mean, we both sort of moved out of the area when we were 19 or 20 um, into areas like London, obviously London and Brighton and stuff that, has much more of a scene for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's not an easy an easy environment to be in as a musician, I don't think. In, in terms of, of working, how easy did you find that after after going to college and, and going to uni? Um, I mean, I did the usual cocktail bar waitress vibe for a few years. Um, and then I sort of obviously had to start thinking more of like a career sort of path. And I ended up working for the council for like three years in various different positions, which always seems to be the way when you work for a local authority. Oh, wow. That sounds quite official. It does, but it wasn't. <laughs> I had a lot of like officer titles, which really don't mean anything other than they can give you more responsibility than you actually well. They can make it sound like you have more responsibility than you do. Um, but yeah, so that was that was quite a chunk of my, my life. I only stopped working for the council when I was like 23. I'm 25 now. Did you watch much uh, Parks and Rec? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, dear. Oh, goodness. It's ex- it's the same. <laughs> did, you, did, did your boss have a thick, thick moustache? No, that would have made it so much better. But no. <laughs> no it's, yeah, it's very, very relatable in a lot of ways. I like to think of myself as a Leslie Nope. Excellent. I mean, there there is something inherently funny about those kinds of, of jobs where, hey, look, you know what? Anyone should be able to take their shit as seriously as they want to. Mm. Uh, but there is something really funny about people who take it in a, in a good natured way quite seriously. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not me. Were, were there some of those characters? Um, yeah, jobs worse. <laughs> that That's the definition. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, though, that it is. I don't take it back, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad to be out of the out of that work environment for sure. Um, yeah, I'm doing something 
run like quite a lot more creative now. Um, What's that? So I've recently started working for the Business Improvement District in Brighton. But it's essentially like an organisation that sort of works to make the centre of Brighton a more interesting and attractive place to like visit and live and work in. But that just involves nice. it involves a lot of social media and marketing and um, events and that sort of thing. It's a really, really small team. There's only three of us um, and they're all really lovely. And they're also really aware of like the band and everything that we're that we're doing. And, you know, I can sort of speak to them about that. And they're quite happy to um, support, you know, my time off and things like that as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's a really, really nice, positive working environment, which for a change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's so much about the people you work with right that's such a cliche isn't it but yeah I often well there's been a couple of times where my colleague has brought out her little dash and um so that's been a real pleasure <laughs> Frank what's what's the, the the music role I work yeah I work in I work in sync which um is like uh deals for music to get used in tv shows films and adverts um which uh yeah has been cool I mean I've been doing it for quite a long time like it's like been five and a half years now um and it was kind of my it was kind of my first serious career kind of step and certainly my first like foray into into music and it's been it's been really tough because it's been really important to me for a long time um and i didn't really want to see it suffer um for the sake of the band but um you know band's got to come first eventually and as we've seen our like calendars get busier and busier and busier it's just becoming more and more impractical and um yeah we'll just have to see what happens with it but it's you know it's it's it, it's a cool thing to be doing and i think it's it's come it, it's it's kind of it's always one of the lesser known and lesser appreciated parts of the business just because it's quite new and i think a lot of people don't really know much about it but there's been lots of stuff recently that's kind of meant it's been brought back into the public eye, like all the stuff that happened with Kate Bush and Stranger Things this summer and everything. That was kind of all because of sync and it's kind of yeah, kind of nice for people to realise the value of of what of what I do, which is kind of great. Um, I mean, syncing is is putting music to film or TV, right? And I mean, how often will you be watching a film or a show where you think, oh my god, you know, that that scene in School of Rock, if it wasn't immigrant song led zeppelin it wouldn't work <laughs> yeah, it's so true it's so true I mean, yeah i could talk i could talk at length about sync to be honest but i think it's it's very um i have like a really really bad memory and yet i can remember a lot of really really powerful well-placed syncs from earlier on in my life where right. i can't remember anything else from that period and i think it's just the combination of the combination of music and video paired excellently really really sticks with you because it's kind of multi-sensory and all that and i guess that's one of the reasons why music videos exist as a phenomenon and have always been so important like i think it just when you're i, I feel like when you're when you're having more than one sense um stimulated at once and stimulated well and when the two work together really well i think it really i think it just creates a much more lasting impact than any one sense on its own it's kind of a roundabout way of talking about it but i i i feel i feel quite strongly about that they're doing at the 
Royal Albert Hall this Christmas, there's a orchestra doing the Home Alone soundtrack. Uh, mate, I uh, so I actually I went and I went to that exact thing, but they did it with Jurassic Park a couple of years oh, ago, and yeah. honestly, one of my favorite ever experiences. It was so awesome. I mean, the not least because the Jurassic Park um, score is is fantastic uh i think it was john was it john yeah it must have been john williams um but yeah that's that one is so great and just to see the two things i mean if anything it was actually kind of it was too much to behold because i wanted to watch the musicians performing but then i had the like the the, the film right behind me i was like no i really like the film i don't miss any of it um and if arguably yeah. i didn't give the musicians the due attention they deserve but it, no that that is that would be amazing and yeah i guess i can't say that i can picture the home alone soundtrack uh, or score rather that well um Probably wouldn't get quite the same thing out of it, but for anyone who did, they should definitely do it because the Jurassic Park one was amazing. And the, the, also the Royal Albert Hall is an amazing setting to be doing something like that. It's, yeah, very grand. It's fucking great. My my perception of space really sort of just fucking bombs out there because yeah. I just yeah. can't tell if it's ginormous or even bigger. You know what I mean? It's Totally, yeah. Um, but, I mean, hey, for both of you, those things, I, I, I feel, you know, I can't help but feel like, a bit sort of parent-like saying this, but hey, look, those are two things that they're such great experiences and mm. they and kind of doing the band stuff, there is, there is some kind of reflection in creativity, syncing, you know, some socials, creating a, a cultural atmosphere, you know, environment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those, those, you can kind of see how it works. All of those things work together. Yeah. They do, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a frustrating one that like, uh, I would like to have thought that, it being my job um it would mean that i could really help us like channel our creative efforts to to write music that was really well suited for sync but honestly from my in my own professional opinion i i could i i think it, it would always be our music is way too somber and sad it's just sync is like it's it's kind of weird like it's it is it, it, like a, there's like a very certain kind of music that normally kind of works for it and um i don't think it's ever the right strat idea for an artist to write their music like a song with the intention of getting a sync because i think it, it fulfills certain criteria and i think it's something you have to be really wary of but you're right no the, the two feed in really well like it's just it's just you know a richer understanding of the whole music business i think which is quite great yeah yeah i mean having a song on audio network is a bit it's like you don't think you don't go onto audio network and necessarily think of those people as as bands or artists. You know that they're, they're sort of songs for a purpose. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. And don't get me wrong, like writing writing music for music libraries is 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 a is a fantastic thing to do. Like you 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 can make some great money from it. Um, and I wouldn't. I mean, to be completely honest, if I had this setup at home, I I would absolutely do something like that. It's just I don't have the cash to create a fully fledged home studio so i can actually put this stuff together and maybe i need to have a bit more confidence in myself but yeah it's, it's just a different it's just a very different ball game but it's still a ball game nonetheless hey all, all ideas right yeah, yeah exactly but thanks so much like you know it's great cheers for for doing an episode i've been yeah. a fan since the first ep and you know the third ep is coming out at the start of november it if is. you only feel it once yeah how do you, you know, based on what we what we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, kind of gleaning and learning as you go along, what do you think that you've sort of specifically learned about yourselves or sort of tight, not necessarily tighten up, maybe that's that's more of a linear <laughs> thing, but you know what I mean? What how how, how what do you feel like you've learned in 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 this last sort of in this last series of being a being a band? 
Um, I would say, um, I mean, it's kind of easy to say this when you have a backing of a label for the first time, but I think we've been a lot more ambitious um, for one thing. Um, uh, and that will become, I think that will become apparent over time, um, which has been kind of cool. Um, I think, I think, I, don't, I feel like we've just, because everything has been, everything that we've done with this e with this new EP has been done to such a high standard and quality to the point that it's the first time ever that I've, I feel like we've produced something that like, like, I, I know it's a horrible cliche, but you know, being a perfectionist, but like, Everything we've 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 put out today, and don't get me wrong, I, I I love the stuff that we put out today, but I'm always one to pick holes in it and and focus on like the the bad bits of it, and it's obviously a massive character defect, but you know it's just the way I am, and I think a lot of musicians are. But I think the the EP that we have coming up is probably the first time that I'm really struggling to do that. So <laughs> I think it's right. I think I guess it's it's it to answer your question, it's kind of just we're learning that we actually can have confidence in what we're doing and can actually be well we can be ambitious and are hopefully successful <laughs> but i guess it just depends if whether or not people agree <laughs> and and jenna from a from a, a singing point of view and, and and that kind of kind of lead point of view is that something that do you feel like the lead i, th I know this is always no. a, a horrible question <laughs> but do you feel like a lead no and i i because i think as a four we've split almost everything since day one um I don't I don't really feel like that no obviously it's a little bit different when I'm on stage and I'm the one in the middle and um yeah you know I'm sort of the only female in the band not that that necessarily makes much of a difference but like I think I don't know I feel like we're a team um I, I think interesting point as well that you make Jenna because to be honest um I, I I always imagine that's one of the biggest challenges from your side with playing live is that you you don't have an ego of being the leader to sort of yeah. channel when you're performing it kind of has to be conjured out of thin air which I feel like must be extremely difficult <laughs> yeah I really don't have much of an ego unless I've had a few drinks which I don't tend to <laughs> and I don't tend to do before I go on stage because it's not gone too great in the past but um yeah I'm still very much learning a lot about myself and like my stage presence and how I present myself as as um the lead singer of our band um I honestly don't have a lot of like self-confidence and I think that shows through quite in quite a lot of ways um and that's something that i'm still working on and it's sort of improving over time um i was gonna say you have to be quite like like a psychopath to be like really kind of come yeah. fully head over heels into that role but that's not true actually I don't, I don't i have an alter ego which i sometimes embody um and if i'm having a really good show and it's going really well then it might come out a little bit more but it's like just um a very detached sort of feeling from myself like it's almost like i'm playing a part um yeah so i have to like separate the two because it's not necessarily who i am like day to day <laughs> saying i struggle a lot with social anxiety and everything so you know the it's i do have to separate the two <laughs> i was going to say that i think with the the music being as it is and the way that we perform it like the whole thing is is kind of always intended to be quite exposed and um vulnerable and I think 
this sounds like kind of an easy excuse for not jumping around the stage and being 10 out of 10 ball of energy all the time but i think it would look kind of ridiculous if if that was ever expected of jenna because it just wouldn't fit the music at all and like you know if you look at like it's just not me either like it would be clearly it's not any of that no it would be apparent like you know I, i watch a lot of bands play and i'm like really in awe of their stage presence and how they're able to sort of like have control over the crowd and just completely let themselves go and everything which i do in my own way but yeah. I think it would be quite apparent if I started jumping around and yeah. taking. I think it would be yeah, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be bizarre. Like, imagine 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 if imagine if Hype Sandoval had done that with Mazzy Star. Like they probably I'm trying to channel. Probably, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and I think it's great. I think it's the way to go. Like it's you know, Mazzy Star was one of the first like serious influences that we kind of referred to, and I, I think it's more it's more prevalent in certain songs than others, but you know. It, it worked pretty well for them. Like, what can it work for us? It's the shoegaze vibes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, just, just don't look at the audience ever. Just look at your feet. That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, hey, Frank and Jenna, thank you so much for being up for, for doing this. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having us, John. It's been a pleasure. So there was Jenna and Frank from Bleach Lab on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Bleach Lab's new EP, If You Only Feel It Once, is out this Friday. Go ahead and pre-save and look out for that. And I'll see you next week with a new episode. Here's Cox Barrow. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue arse fly I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate Every blink minute I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.